Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us at Life Family Church Podcast. We exist to reach, disciple, and empower people to live in the fullness of God. If you're new to our church or want to learn more about us and what we believe, you can check us out online by simply going to lifefamilychurch.net. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Open your Bibles, if you would, please, to Luke chapter 4, verse 18. This morning, we're talking to you about the Spirit hath anointed. The Spirit hath anointed. Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19. So how many are going to work on building your spirit, man, this week? Getting stronger in that area and putting down your flesh. Can you say amen? Yeah, I'm going to put that down. Help us, Lord. Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19 says this. Jesus speaking here. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Say this with me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because God has anointed me. See, there's always a specific time and a specific place. I believe that each believer should have an encounter with God somewhere along the lines in their Christian walk. There was a specific time, there was a specific place that Jesus was anointed. Isn't it interesting? He prepared 30 years for three and a half years of ministry, and today you can prepare three and a half years for 30 to 40 years of ministry. Isn't that interesting? Now, when Jesus was growing up, he didn't do any miracles. He didn't do any signs or any wonders until he was anointed. Some theologians, some people say that, well, when Jesus was a little boy and he turned 12 years old, he became a man, and he started his miracle ministry when he was 12 years old. So he raised dead dead birds up, and that's a bunch of hooah. Praise God, amen. It's like, it's like the one theology guy said, you know, well, you know, the, 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 the parting of the Red Sea really wasn't a great miracle because in some, some parts of the Red Sea at certain seasons, the water is only like maybe 12 inches deep. And, then, you know, all the Israelites, all a million of them could cross the, and go to the other side. But that's even a greater miracle because God drowned the entire Egyptian army in 12 inches of water. Praise God. Amen. So sometimes they're not really thinking that much. Hello, somebody. Can you say amen? No, Jesus didn't do anything until he became anointed. There was a specific time. There was a specific place. And I believe that every believer should have an encounter with God that radically changes their life. Now, he lists what the anointing is for, and it says this. He has anointed me to, one, preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captive, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. So, number one, he's called every one of us to preach the gospel or the good news. The good news. I was watching a little bit of a documentary of a, uh, of a young man that was on a college campus, and he was on a kind of a concrete platform, and he had a microphone with the speaker. And then he put a microphone out, and he invited all the college students to come ask questions about Christianity. And one of the college students got up there and began to talk, and she was very young. You could tell she was probably about 19, 20 years old. And she was saying, well, you know, I'm not quite sure if I understand the good news. Is The good news is like, you know, do unto others as you would have, like the golden rule. Do unto others as you have them do unto you. And he said, no, that's not good news. Good news is, is that you're a sinner, 
And because you're a sinner, the only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ the Lord because he became sin for you so that through his death and burial and resurrection on the cross, you and I, even though we are sinners, can become sinless through the blood of the Lord. That is good news. See, good news is, is that sickness is in the world, but the good news is Jesus became sickness so that you and I don't have to be sick. The good news is poverty is in the world, but Jesus became poverty so that you and I don't have to be poor no more. Can you say amen? That's good news. The good news is, is we overcome every attack of the enemy. We overcome our flesh by the words of his testimony. Did you know Revelation says that? We overcome by the, by the blood of the Lamb by the words of his, not by the words of my testimony. No, his testimony. Not a testimony, but a testimony. Can you say amen? What is his testimony? He became sin on the cross. He became sickness. He became disease. So that through his blood, through his burial, and through his resurrection, he, he died and he rose again, just like you and I die to our flesh and we get born again. That's good news. The good news is we have hope. Can you say amen? We are not of them that have no hope. Many people die and they have no hope. But you and I, we live because he lives in us and we have hope. That is good news. The good news is, is you, if you fall into sin and you make a mistake, there's 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sin, I'm preaching really good this morning. Hello. If 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from unrighteousness. That's good news. Good news is we don't have to work our way to heaven. We don't have to fall into a religion or religious exercise. We are no longer under the law. Hello, somebody. No, we're under a covenant called the Abraham blessing with better promises because Jesus is the mediator of our faith. Can you say amen? That's good news. The good news is, is that you don't have to be depressed. You don't have to be broke, poor, busted, and disgusted. No, the good news is you can live a victorious life in this life, and the only way to live it is through the blood of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? He turned your sorrow into joy. Can you say amen? And the joy of the Lord is your strength, according to Nehemiah 8.10. See, good news, they preach, it's good news. It, it addresses good tidings, and it addresses good things. In the book of Matthew, chapter 4, verses 23 and 24, it says this, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in the churches, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. What is that? Healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went through all Syria, um, um, Syria and they brought unto him all the sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments, and those which were possessed of devils, and those that were lunatic, and those that had the palsy, and he healed them all. That sounds like our government, lunatic, possessed with devils, and my God, my God, may God help us. <laughs> there are some lunatics coming to the forefront, but God help them. Praise God. The good news is they can be delivered. Can you say amen? Just like you and I can be delivered, God can deliver them. In Matthew 10, 7 and 8, it says this, And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you have received, freely give. That is good news. The good news is you have the answer to the world's problems. 
The good news is the kingdom of God is on the inside of you and the fullness of. Can you say amen? The good news is that the God of the universe makes his home, makes his abode on the inside of your tent, on the inside of your tabernacle, on the inside of your house. Can you say amen? 1 Corinthians 3.16, is not your body the temple of the Holy Ghost and God there dwells in? The God of the universe with every answer to every problem, to every situation is on the inside of you. You just got to let him dominate you. Amen. You got to yield or surrender to the greater one. Because the Bible says greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. It doesn't matter if you don't feel like it. It's true anyhow. Can you say amen? So we preach the good news. You have good news to people who are dying. You have good news. You have the answer to your employee, your fellow employees that are dying and going to hell. You have the answer to the world's. What is that? The greater one lives on the inside of you. Can you say amen? Number two, to heal the brokenhearted. Ever been brokenhearted? Yeah, a lot of people go around in this life brokenhearted. They, they, they're confused about a great many number of things. They don't understand what love really is. They don't understand the difference between lust and love. They combine that together. It says he heals the brokenhearted. In the book of Psalms 147, verse 3, it says this, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. You know, I think probably one of the greatest pains is a broken heart. It really, really is. Broken in their marriages, broken in their relationships, broken with their children, broken with their grandchildren, broken relationships. It says he heals the broken heart. People that have done things to us, turned around and stabbed us in the back after they said they were with us. Oh, pastor, we're with you. We're right behind you. So far behind me, I can't even see you. Praise God. Amen. Now, come on. Hello, somebody. You pour your life into people, and then they turn and they, they, they walk away from you like it was nothing. Isn't it interesting? There's never a decision that anybody makes that doesn't affect the lives of others. I'll say that one more time. There is never a decision that anybody makes that does not affect the lives of others. There are those in our government that are making decisions for me that affect my life. There are those in our government that are making decisions for you that will affect your life. Whether you like it or you don't like it, they're doing it. I think sometimes we need to think before we actually act. We need to think. Is this going to affect my spouse? Is this going to affect my children? Is it going to affect my grandchildren? Is it going to affect those that are in my life? I don't think people are thinking that way. Because they just go ahead and do it, and whatever the chips may, and whatever falls, falls, and whatever will be, will be in the sweet by and by, Doris Day doctrine. Come on, hello, somebody. There's never a decision that anybody makes that does not affect the lives of others. Let me say that one more time. There is never a decision that you and I will make that will not affect the lives of others. And I think sometimes people don't think about that. Am I, am I what am I about to do? What's it going to turn out for me? How's it going to turn out for me a year from now, two years from now, five years from now? And a lot of people are calling it God. And there's no more God than a duck is a Delta jet airline pilot. Quack, quack. Flap, flap. No. Emma, what am I about to do? Who's it going to affect? Will it change 
not only your destiny, will it change others' destiny as well. How would it affect you if Pastor Marie and I divorced? It would affect some of you greatly. Not only and not only the people in this room, but it would affect people around the world. You know, we do have a worldwide ministry. If you don't know that, we do. And there's thousands of people who know Pastor Marie and I. What would I be? Very selfish. That would be very selfish. Come on, hello, somebody. It would be very, very selfish. I've known prominent ministers that are very famous who actually ended up in divorce. And actually, other ministers followed their suit because they said, well, if so-and-so and so-and-so got divorced, then I'm divorcing you. Must be okay. And it causes a ripple effect. And Satan will never take you out when you're not known. He'll just wait and wait and wait and wait. Some people don't think he's patient. He can be patient. As a matter of fact, if he causes more destruction, he'll just wait till the opportune time. Come on, hello, somebody. To hurt you, to cause the most pain, most hurt. He heals the brokenhearted. I can guarantee you there's some brokenhearted people in here. I know there's some areas in my life that are, I have, I have some brokenheartedness that God's got to heal. Yeah. Listen, when you've got relatives that aren't living for the Lord, living like the devil, controlled by the devil, it could break your heart. Come on now. Or they make decisions that are very hurtful. How many of you got kids or grandkids that are breaking your heart? Ah, yeah. It's painful, isn't it? But thank God for his grace. Thank God for his mercy. Thank God you didn't do it. Hello, somebody. Amen. Yeah, I can honestly say I didn't do it. Praise God. Amen. And you can't blame me for it, even though you want to blame me. You can't blame me for it because you're your own person. Come on, you got to answer to the God of heaven and earth and the universe just as much as I have to answer to the God of heaven and the earth and the universe. Can you say amen? So he heals the brokenhearted. The word heal in Psalms 147 verse 3 in the Hebrew means rapha, which means to heal, to sew together, or mend. It is as if God is healing our hearts stitch by stitch. Can you say amen? That's good news. That's what the anointing will do. He said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. That's what the anointing does. That's what the spirit of God does. That's what his presence does. That's the reason why there are only some impartations you can only receive by being in church that you can't get on the internet. You can't get on the Facebook preachers. There's so many Facebook preachers preaching in their living rooms. I thought to myself, my God, where do these people come from? You know what? They were so rejected in church, they decided that I was called to the ministry, so I'm going to set up my Facebook preaching page where they're preaching in their living rooms, propagating God knows what. Hello, somebody. And people are watching at home. Well, Brother Jack, you know, we're the church. The building's not the church. Yeah, but that's where we meet. Hello, somebody. <laughs> Amen. Amen. You want 100 people coming to your house when you only live in <laughs> You want 100? No. I mean, you got two bedrooms and, and a cat and a dog and a bird and a fish, goldfish. Hello. Ain't 100 people coming to your house. Come on. Hello, somebody. Well, you know, we are the church. It's just a building. Well, that's where we meet. 
Come on, I mean, we meet to encourage one another, to strengthen one another as we're going through this life. And you know what? Not barely making it either. Not broke, busted, or disgusted. No, victorious. Overcoming. Getting better and better every day. Going from glory unto glory unto glory unto realm unto realm. Getting a, being better, better every day. Can you say amen? To heal the brokenhearted. Here are a few definitions about a brokenheartedness. To break into pieces, rend violently, to crush, to rupture, to broken, to be maimed, to be crippled, be wrecked, to be shattered. That sounds really bad, doesn't it? But the anointing heals the brokenhearted. The same word used in three ways, break the door. Genesis 19.9 says, break a bone. Exodus 12.46 says, to hurt. To be brokenhearted is to be broken into pieces, crushed, crippled, shattered, torn. It hurts. Some of you know exactly what I mean. Now, here's the deal. The bad situation is, instead of getting healed, people inoculate themselves. But I just can't handle it. i got to check out for about five hours. So you'll watch five hours of CNN. That'll make you more depressed. <laughs> there, are, there are people that will watch the news before they go to bed. No wonder they're having nightmares. What do you think CNN stands for? Continual negative news. It's very simple. It's not that hard. Now, you've got to be very careful what you put in before you go to bed. Let me say that one more time. You've got to be very careful what you watch before you go to bed. Come on now. That's, you're, you will move in your most dominant thought. Oh, hallelujah. That was something that you need to put on Facebook. Praise God. Amen. You'll move in your most dominant thought. So if, you, if, you're, going, if you're going to bed with watching negative stuff and bad stuff, you're putting that in. Garbage in, garbage out. It's like the one lady, you know, all of a sudden she found herself starting to cuss when she didn't use the cuss. And all of a sudden, Pastor Marie asked her, well, what are you watching? She said, well, I'm, I'm watching rated R movies. Are you are? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that cussing doesn't bother me. Well, really? What's been coming out of your mouth lately? And then it hit her. Oh, my gosh. I must be putting that in. And when I put that in, it's just going to come out. Come on, hello, somebody. I had one young man, about 18 years old, and I guess he, he, liked, he liked watching these, these um, war movies. And he, and he said, I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, one of my favorites is, is Saving Private Ryan. Now, for, I never watched Saving Private Ryan, but I thought, I mean, you're blowing arms off and you're cussing and all that kind of stuff. And this is what the young man said to me. Oh, I'm, I'm past all that. None of that bothers me. And I thought to myself, my God, you must have steered your conscience then. It's like these young kids playing video games. Shoot them up, blow them up. What, what, is, what, is, this, uh, what is this video game where you, 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 you rape and you plunder people? And what is it? Grantha, Grantha, y'all don't have that, do you? Because you, how, how, how in the world do y'all know that? Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, it's like this, this, it's like this little section right over here. Praise God with all these young people. Praise God, Grand Theft Auto. We're having an altar call for the Grand Theft Auto individuals. Praise God. No, you, you, you play those video games. What happens is you become very desensitized. No wonder they're going into schools and blowing teachers and students away. Oh, it has nothing to do with video games. Really? Tell that to the military. Because the military will put those goggles on, hello, and they have these 3D scenarios, and they're going and clearing buildings. Oh, come on, hello, somebody. Amen. So what you put in before you go to bed is very important. You can't inoculate your pain. you got to get healed from it. Come on now, you got to get healed from it. You can't inoculate it. You can't cover it over. 
Well, what happens is this. When people are full of pain and they can't really handle situations, what they'll do is instead of going to God to get deliverance and get healing, they'll move toward pleasure. Pornography, adultery, whatever, you know, whatever, drinking, marijuana, whatever. They'll move to that because they're not dealing with the pain. And because of pride, it will stop them from coming to God. But if they just lower their pride and come to God and get healed up from it, God will deliver them and their life will be far much more better than what they're dealing with the junk that they're in. But the issue is you got to put down your pride. Pride, man, that is, that is, that is, that is. Humble yourself before the mighty God and he will exalt you in due time. Number three, deliverance from the captive. We're talk, what are we talking about? We're talking about what the, the anointing does, the spirit of God does in each of our lives. Delivered from the captive. Captive, a prisoner taken by force or an enemy, taken an enemy, followed by as a captive to the victor. One who's charmed and subdued by beauty or excellence, one whose affections are seized or who is held by strong ties of love, one who is ensnared by love or flattering, by wiles, a slave. Anciently, captives were enslaved by conquerors, but in modern times, they are made slaves in Christian countries. The word captive, in a little sense, means rarely signifies as a slave, held captive to somebody, to take prisoner, to bring into subjection to. People are held captive by many things. They're held captive by drugs. They're held captive by alcohol. They're held captive by pornography. They're held captive by things. He says, I'll bring deliverance to the captive. That's what the anointing does. I heard Dr. Riley say something very interesting. He was praying for somebody that was in a wheelchair. And then the mother leaned over to him and said, well, he also has this. And he looked at her and he said, ma'am, he said, this is what I've learned over the years. He said, the anointing destroys any yoke. I just pray that the anointing gets on them. I thought that's a very interesting statement. Jesus never specifically prayed for a person with a disease. If you look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he never specifically prayed with somebody that had a specific disease. What did he do? He either laid his hands on them or he commanded them to be healed. When he walked into the pool of Bethesda, he didn't say, okay, what was your disease that caused this? You know what he said? Take up the bed, rise up and walk. Hello, right? Go and wash in the pool of Siloam. Go and show thyself to the priest. Isn't that right? Jesus never commanded something specific. Oh, I have high blood pressure. He just, in the, what was he doing? He'd get the anointing on them. Whatever the ailment was, the anointing destroys the yoke. Isaiah 10, 27, the anointing destroys the yoke. There's word, three words for the word yoke. One means an, an, a physical ailment. Another one means uh, two oxen, a yoke is a farm tool, you yoke two oxen. And then the third meaning for the word yoke is when you subject yourself to under somebody's teaching. Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So he's saying, my teaching is easy. I'm not going to place a religious ritual upon you. You just come as you are to God, not religiously and thinking that you've got to do something to be pleasing to God. Hello. No, you just come to him as you are. Can you say Amen. Okay, so therefore, that's what this the word yoke here means to destroy. So the anointing is what destroys being held captive. What are you held captive in your life? What is it the reoccurring thing you keep falling into? Is it worry? Is it stress? Is it pornography? Is it lust? Is it, what is it, what is the inoculating, is it drugs? Is it alcohol? What is it? What is the inoculating effect? No, God wants to heal your heart. It says he binds the brokenhearted. He heals wounded. So he delivers those that are captive, held captive. That's what the anointing does. That's what the Spirit of God does. 
Is it, is it secular music? I don't listen to secular music. It dulls my hearing for the anointing. Come on, hello, somebody. Why would I, why would I want to listen to secular music? Well, oh, the beat's good. Okay. I don't listen to the words. I like the beat. Ah, it, has a, it dulls your ears. Satan uses, come on now, uses. He didn't create. He uses, come on now, to influence. Music is a very, very powerful thing. It moves you. I remember one time when I was mad at God. Ever been mad at God? Josh has. I don't know about anybody else. Right? <laughs> I mean, been mad at God. And I, I went to church anyway. I didn't stay home. Yeah, I went to church anyway. But you know what? I didn't worship God. I, I walked in like most Christians do, you know, this. No, I didn't worship God. I was, because I was mad at God. So I'm standing there and about five, six rows back and there's about 1,500 people in this church service and I'm mad. Didn't like where I was at. Didn't like what I was going through. Thought it was God's fault. Imagine that. Blaming God. When it was either myself or the devil. Praise God. But I'm blaming God for my problems. I'm blaming God for the things that I got myself involved with. Come on, hello, son. My own decisions. Come on, hello, somebody. So I'm standing there, you know, and music pumping. It's just awesome, and everything's great. And, and Marie's worshiping, and suddenly she leans over in my ear and says, you can give God better than that. Who are you? So that just started resonating in me. Because then I began to realize, why am I mad at God for either what the enemy was doing or what I got myself involved in, right? So I thought, you got to start thinking, and the music's going. And so I thought, okay, fine. I'll just give God a foot. So I just started tapping my foot. That's all I started doing. That's all you're getting today, and I'm mad at you. But you know what? When you start tapping your foot, and suddenly that which is on you, that oppression or whatever it is, that anger, and all of a sudden your heart starts to get soft, and, and then you kind of, you know, you start swaying a little bit, and then you lift your hands a little bit, and then, and then you got to break it down. I mean, you, start wor- you just start worshiping God and everything. I mean, you start to break it down. You're like, hey, 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 hey. Can't touch this. No, no, okay. I mean, you start worshiping God. And then all of a sudden, that anger starts to lift off. That was pretty good. What you, did you like that? Woo, glory. All right. Okay. You start, you start worshiping God. Suddenly that which was <laughs> suddenly that was that which was on you lifts off of you. It's no longer holding you captive. There's something about praise and worship that you have in your weapon arsenal that'll take you from depression to anger and bring you over into victory. Can you say amen? In the book of Psalms 126, verse 1 says this: <clears throat> When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like men that dreamed, and our mouths were filled with laughter, and our tongue was singing. Then they said among the heathen, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. Wherefore, we are glad. Turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the stream in the south. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bringing, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. So right there, turn again our captivity. Turn again our captivity. Satan always wants you to go back to the pig slop. The Bible is very clear in the book of Proverbs, and it says this, as a dog returns to his vomit, so a fool repeats a folly. As a dog returns to his vomit, so a fool repeats a folly. I don't want to be no fool, you fool. Don't be fooling me. God wants us to be pure and holy in our actions, in our deeds, out of our mouths, and in our hearts. But when we make a mistake, then we can go to him and we can repent and ask God to forgive us. He'll pick you up. And you move forward. A righteous man or woman may fall seven times, but they rise again. If we make a mistake, 
Then get up, brush yourself off, ask God to forgive you from your heart, not just mental assent, from your heart, really mean it. Come on, hello, somebody. And then you move forward, and you keep on moving forward. And you ask the Lord, help me. Help me in my weakness. If the disciples said, Lord, help our faith, you can ask God to help you in your weakness. If you're prone to depression, I need joy. So what do you do? Well, you got to get, get the anointing on you. Amen. He'll turn your sorrow into gladness. He'll turn your sadness into happiness. Can you say amen? And that's what the anointing does. That's the reason why I love the anointing of God. That's the reason why I love Sunday mornings and Sunday nights. It's important. Let me say this. Listen, have ears to hear. There are some things that God wants to do with you in the ministry, in this life, but you've got to be faithful. And if you are not faithful and if you are not committed, there are some places that God wants to take you. You will not go until you become faithful. There's some people in this room that God has spoken to my heart about, but I'm not going to talk to you about it until you become faithful and you become steadfast. Because the Bible looks, God, where is a faithful man? Is a faithful man who can find And God wants to take you some places. He planted you here, so be here. So when the timing's right, you can enter into what God has for you. But if you feather around and float around and not get solid, not get committed, and not be faithful, then your life will be that way. Amen. If you would have told me 23 years ago, that's when we entered into the ministry, 23 years, if you would have told me that I would be on platforms of 30, 40, 50, 60,000 people meeting presidents of nations, meeting governors of uh, counties and regions, and meeting mayors, I would have told you, you've got to be kidding. I would even wonder how that would happen. Who would pay for all that? How could that happen? I mean, I'm not boasting or anything, but I'm just trying to tell you if you were going, well, well, well why? How did, you, how did you get to that point? Faithful, faithful, committed, served. Can you believe that Pastor Marie and I served people? Still serve people. Can you believe that I could be on a platform one week of 30,000 people and see the blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk, and then the next Saturday when we come home, be on my jeans and shirt in the men's room plunging the toilet? (laughs) Isn't that amazing? Could be doing that. I want to preach on the platforms of the world. Plunge toilets, and you'll preach on the platforms of the world. Hello. The greatest among you will be your... I don't, I don't want to be a TBN preacher. I don't want to be well-known in the body of Christ. I want to be well-known in two places, hell and heaven. I find it much easier not to be a known preacher and to fly under the radar and do crusades in Dominican Republic, and in Burma, and we're going to Miami, and we're going to Michigan, and we're going to Texas this year. I like just fly under the radar. Less devils to deal with when you fly under the radar. I remember I did an interview with one of my books called Revival the Last Call on the Lassie Broadcasting Network out of Indiana, which is the Lester Summerall station. And when, after I did the interview, I got an email from a man. I see you're getting some recognition just wanted to let you know I was watching you. And it wasn't in a good way. It wasn't in a good way. I thought, oh, I'd rather fly under the radar. There's enough devils under radar than there is when you're a public figure. 
Some of the greatest preachers will be the old 80-year-old woman who died. Some of the greatest individuals in heaven will be the little old lady at 80 years old, and her whole assignment was to pray for revival in the earth. That she'll be some of the greatest. That's where some of the greatest preachers were the ones who flew under the radar, who didn't want popularity of men, but who wanted popularity in hell and popularity in heaven. Come on, somebody. Hello. Amen. So be faithful, because I think each and every one of you, the Bible says this, God places in the body as he chooses. So each and every one of you have been hand-picked, not pecked, picked, praise God, (laughs) to be in this place. For forever season that could be, or it could be forever. Imagine that, somebody staying in a church forever. Wow, that would be a novel idea. I didn't get one amen on that one. (laughs) Jesus! Are there any Timothys for Paul's? I feel kumbaya right now. It only takes a spark to get a fire going. Praise God. Held captive. What destroys the anointing? Held captive, the anointing. Number four, recovery of sight to the blind. Two things with that. Two things. Blind physically and blind spiritually. Do you know there are people that are blinded spiritually and they cannot see? Satan has the ability of mind control. He will win in the area of the mind unless it's renewed to the word. And he does it by thoughts to cause confusion. He, he perverts the truth. As a matter of fact, he perverts the truth so much that even though it's a lie to the individual who believes it, it's truth to them. That's where confusion comes in and that's where he wins. It's through the thought life. Through the thought life. Well, I'm just in this relationship and it just feels so good and it just feels so right. Man marrying a man is not right, but I love him. You lust. You don't understand what love is. It's lust. Romans chapter 1 and 2 defines it. Let me, let me tell you where homosexuality and lesbianism comes from. It comes from idol worship. It's the worship of self. That's what that is. It's the worship of self. I've been hurt. I've been abused. I've been spit upon. I've been put out. I've been rejected. This person loves me. This person accepts me for who I am with all my trash and all my garbage. It's got to be love. It's got to, it just, it just seems so right. And I love this person. And they actually change the truth for a lie. And it's idol worship because when you read Romans 1 and 2, it talks about God turning them over to their own lusts where women did ungodly things with women and men did ungodly things with men. Watch this. Even though they have the knowledge of the truth, they exchange the truth for a lie. They worship the image and worshiping the creator who created the image. One of the worst television programs is the next American Idol because it's all about them. Come on, hello, somebody. You're awfully quiet this morning in this Methodist church. Oh, I'm sorry. Pastor Marie's preaching at a Methodist church this morning. I'm sorry. I was mistaken. Recovery of sight to the blind. Blind, destitute of the sense of seeing, either by natural defect or not having sight. Not having the faculty of discernment. Destitute of intelligent light. Unable to understand or judge. Ignorant, as authors are blind to their own defects. So in other words, the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts chapter 9, he was blinded to the effect that the God that he was worshiping was the same God of the Christians. So he was blinded to the effect that these Christians was an occultic entity infiltrating Judaism. So he said, I know what to do. Kill them. Because that's what they do over there in those Arab 
countries. If you, if you try to convert a Muslim to any religion, what do they do? They kill you. That's their solution to everything. Genocide. We just wipe you off the planet. But isn't it interesting, the same God that you and I love, Paul, who was Saul, loved him too. What happened? He was blinded. He was blinded spiritually. And isn't it interesting, when he became blinded naturally, he could see spiritually. But when he could see naturally, he was blinded spiritually. But he had passion. So a lot of people are blinded spiritually. They can't see the truth. Why? It's because this is the only thing that's truth. Right here. Pontius Pilate, when Jesus was standing in front of him, what did Pontius Pilate say? What is truth? He didn't know that Jesus, who is the truth, was standing in front of his face. Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Come on, hello, somebody. Let me make this statement, too, because there's people that listen to this. You can't have your own relationship with God. What do you mean by that? What do you mean? Ever talk to somebody, you know, that's not really living right for the Lord, and they'll say this? Well, I have my own relationship with God. Anybody ever heard anybody say that? I have my own relationship. What do you mean you, you can't have your own? No, you have to have a Bible relationship with God. You can't have your own relationship with God. Your own relationship with God has to line up with the Bible's relationship with God. Anything outside of that is deception. Come on, hello somebody, right? Yeah, because people who say, I have my own relationship with God are usually backsliders. Come on, they're backsliders. What, what are, here, backsliders. Number one thing they say, you, you need to get your life with God. Oh, you're just judging me. You're just judging me. And the second thing is, well, God knows my heart. <laughs> hello somebody, <laughs> two famous things. You're just judging me. And God knows my heart. Yes, the Bible says that God knows the heart and it's desperately wicked. Praise God. Amen. Absolutely. Oh, I just got my own relationship with God. We have an understanding. Mm, that's interesting. No, our relationships need to work, line up with the word of God. Or you really don't have your own relationship with God. You all get my meaning? Come on now. Okay. Yeah, I want to make sure. Physical blindness. Blind Martimaeus. He was physically blind, but he could see spiritually. Spiritual blindness. The apostle Paul. Come on now. He was blinded spiritually, but once he was under the power of the anointing. Come on now, he couldn't see physically for three days, but his eyes were open spiritually. Later on in his life, the Bible says that I once knew a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I could not tell that was taken up to the third heaven. There are three heavens. One is the atmosphere realm. This is considered to be Satan's realm, Satan's heaven right here. Hello? Then there's the universe, space, which is the second heaven. The third heaven is where God dwells. I want to make that very plain because there's been some stinking teaching that's been out there about the third heaven. Come on, hello, somebody. Amen. So the atmosphere realm, this is where, this, this is where Satan dwells. Okay? He's the prince of the power of the air. Okay, so therefore, there's, there, there's this realm. Then there's the space realm, the universe realm. And then beyond that is where God dwells. It's the third heaven. Paul the apostle said, I once knew a man in the body or out of the body. I couldn't tell. That was taken up to the third heaven, which saw things which I can't even speak of. I believe that when he had an encounter under the anointing of the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 9, the Pauline revelation began, a download from heaven, which actually brought two-thirds of the New Testament. And when you read the, the New Testament, mostly Paul's assignment was order of the church on how to do church, come on now, and righteous living and who you are in Christ when you look at that. You have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which is actually four different viewpoints from four different men on the ministry of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Yeah. And then you have the rest of the New Testament. Jesus called the Pharisees and the Sadducees blind guides. 
Why? Because they were blinded spiritually. Come on now. See, in their minds, when the Messiah came, now watch this. This is what the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees did and the religious guys of the day in Judaism. They had not only had the Torah, but then they made the Pentateuch. The Pentateuch were like, oh my gosh, what, 600 rules and regulations somewhere around there added to the Torah. So that was man's rituals in which they forced the Jewish people to meet. And if you didn't meet those things, then you couldn't be partake of the blessing of Abraham. Come on now. Plus you had, the, you had the blessings and you had the cursings that go along with everything. That's the reason why they got upset with Jesus so much. Because he was breaking, not the law, he was breaking their laws. The religious laws in which religious people were putting man under a bondage. That's the reason why Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I'm not going to put a religious ritual on you like these Pharisees and Sadducees and wouldn't seize and couldn't seize and all the wannabes. Come on, hello somebody, amen. So they were forcing the people, unless you meet all these rules and regulations, you can't be pleasing to God. And so in their mind... A crucified Christ was ludicrous because of all their confusion, of all their blindness and spiritually blind guides, they thought a crucified Christ was ludicrous. No, when the King of kings and the Lord of lords was going to come prophesied through Isaiah, the prophet, 400 years before Jesus showed up, this Messiah was going to come, do away with the government of the time, and set up the messianic kingdom of the government. That's what they thought. So when Jesus came the way he came, even though he did all the miracles and all the signs and all the wonders, did you know that there were more miracles, more signs, more displays of the Spirit of God and the power of God demonstrated than the words he spoke? But there are more words spoken today than there is power manifested. Oh, glory to God. Did you know that? There are more orators today with no Holy Ghost power than there is a display of the power of Almighty God in church services today around the world. Man, it has flipped big time. And people are celebrated because of their eloquent speaking. But if you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul said, My brethren, when I came to you, I did not come to you with excellency of speech or superior words of man's wisdom, but I came to you in demonstration of power. Hello? And the Holy Spirit operating on me, stirring the minds of most holy emotions. Hello? So that your faith may not rest in man's words of wisdom, but in the power of Almighty God. But you know what? When we display the power of God, people freak. They freak out. They panic. Amen. Like, for example, there was a, a couple that came last Sunday morning. She fell into the power of God several times, and he freaked out. And they went home, and then I, I got a chance to talk to her later. I said, well, what did he think about it? Oh, I don't believe in all that stuff. What a most amazing thing. Paul didn't either. Come on, hello, somebody. You know what you want, what it is? It confronts them. This is not just Christianity game, is it? It's like, I've never seen that before. So, therefore, the cognitive reasoning comes across. I've never seen people fall under the power of God, and that preacher didn't even touch a one of them, and they all fell out. I mean, huh, what, what, is, what is that? What is that? This is that. That what? Which is spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, says God, I will pour out my spirit. Anytime the supernatural comes in contact with the natural, something's going to give. It's not going to be the natural. It's going to be the, su- I mean, it's not going to be the supernatural. It's going to be the natural. And so, and then cognitive, re- is that God? Is that the devil? Is that subliminal suggestion? Is that a placebo? What is that? And then they have to come with the cognitive reasoning to, to justify that. I wonder if I really believe what I really believe is really a God or am I just going to a church just to do religious duty? 
I wonder what those people are going to do on the day of judgment when the Bible says every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus, I don't care if you're a Satanist, an atheist, an agnostic, a Buddhist, a Hindu, a Muslim, what, I don't care. You will, there will be an unseen hand that will come on. That's the reason why I do it now because I don't want to be forced to do anything. I just, I just bow down right now and I just lift my hands right now. I'll just lay on the floor right now because I don't have to be pleasing the man. I don't care what anybody thinks. I don't give a rip what people think. If Muslims can bow down five times a day, why can't I bow down and worship the one true living God, the one that lives and is and is? Why is that? Why? Why? I fear. I fear God. I fear him. He's holy. He's pure. He's real. Don't fear the one that can kill the body. Fear the one that can take your soul and cast it into hell. That's the one I fear. Whoa. Even though I make mistakes, even though I slip up, even though I fall, my daddy's got his arms out because he's loving, he's kind, he's patient. Had to ask him this week, could you just be patient with me as I work that flesh part out of me? Praise God. Just please, I just need a little bit more patience. Could you please be patient with me? I'm sorry, I, I'm weak, I'm a frail man, make mistakes. This mouth can get you in so much trouble. That tongue, such a small thing, but boy, it can set a fire. Hello, can I get a witness? <laughs> yeah. Number five, sets liberty to them that are bruised. You got crushed and then you got bruised. Bruised, crushed, hurt, or broken by a blunt or heavy instrument. Those who want to have... Uh, that have been bruised, they've come to a place of committing suicide. Those who have uh, lost loved ones, bruised, wounded, hurt, misunderstood, the anointing. That's the reason why we try to have a move of God every service. I had a preacher tell me, you can't, you can't have a move of God every service. I said, says who? You? Who, who, who made you the non-moving of the Holy Ghost service police? Well, you, you, you may scare people off. Well, wait till the judgment day. They can be scared of it and they ain't leaving the room. <laughs> there ain't no running at the, the, the throne is a baloney-free zone. I'm just going to, <laughs> there's no running out of the church service in heaven. No hiding either. Can't hide in the back of the big church of 2,500 people sitting on the back row. Your life's a shambles. And all kinds of addictions and all kinds of problems. Sorry, in heaven, that's sorry. There won't be any ushers or angels chasing after you. The door is locked. Today, well, you can have an option. If you start to freak out, then you can walk out the back door. But when you get to heaven, <clears throat> there will be every human being that ever was at the great white throne judgment for a little over 6,000 years. And eternal retribution will be given at the great white throne judgment. And there'll be no running. You can't say to the usher, where's the back door? Could I leave now? I was in a rival service in an Assembly of God church in Texas. And there was a lady that was probably, and she was probably in her, you know, 60s, 70s, right around there. And she was about probably eight rows back. And she was all comfortable and just wonderful and until the power of God showed up. Like I mentioned last Sunday morning, I said, it, I was making an announcement, the power of God's going to show up, don't freak out. And then the most amazing thing, there was a couple of people that freaked out when the power of God showed up. You, even, you can actually flash warning. Warning, there's a discriminatory message. 
The power of God will show up confirming the word that is preached. Praise God. You, you, make that, you can make a boastful display and tell people. I, for years, I've told people, don't freak out in a sermon. God's going to show. But inevitably, people freak out. How do you know? Because when the power of God starts to move, they get up and leave. Yeah, they get up and walk right out the door. So I'm in this service, right? We were about three weeks of revival. And all of a sudden, you know, I start making my way. I mean, I used to be a much bolder back then. I mean, really bold. I mean, I'd walk all over the church. I'd step on the chairs. I'd walk on the chairs. I, I'd do all kinds of things to freak people out and make them nervous. Praise God. Amen. <clears throat> so normally, I, now I usually say about, used to, you know, the first two, three rows, four rows, whatever, you know, I kind of think. Was, I have to figure that most people, you know, that really want a touch from God, you know, are mostly in the back of the church, and the people that really don't want a touch from God are usually sitting on the front f- few rows. Oh, I'm sorry. That's opposite. I, I made a mistake in that. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I made a mistake with that. Praise God. Amen. I got it mixed up. All right. So all of a sudden, you know, this lady, and I'm praying, praying for people, and they're falling out, and then she's up about in the middle, and she leans over to one of her neighbors. She said, if that spooky man comes back here, you better get out of my way. I am running out of this church. So I made my way, and I was about to the third, you know, third row from her. She went, oh, oh, and then she, boom, boom, knocked, boom, boom, and ran out the back door. The D- double doors busted, boom, wide open. She ran out into the parking lot. You know what I did? I ran after her. <laughs> I did. I had the microphone. I still had the microphone on. I said, lady, everybody's in the church listening. And they're like, my God. And they, they're still hearing me speak. Lady, what's the matter? What's the matter? Don't you touch me. I said, ma'am, I'm not going to touch you. I said, well, what's going on? She said, I'm an old-time Methodist. I've never seen anything like this. Don't you come near me. I said, oh, I won't come near you. I won't come near you. Are you sure? She said, yeah, yeah. It's just, this is just, this is freaking me out. I said, what is it? She said, all this joy and church and falling on the floor and rolling and things. I said, don't you know who your, you know, founder is? She said, who? I said, John Wesley. John Wesley founded the Methodist movement. She said, who? I said, John Wesley. He founded the Methodist movement. Well, I don't know about him. All I know is about you. Don't you come close to me. I said, listen, I won't come close to you. Could you just come back in the church? I promise I won't pray for you. She said, okay, you go first. So I'm in the church. And she came and she sat in the back row. By the end of the service, the power of God hit that lady. She fell under the power of God. Started laughing uncontrollably, rolling on the floor. She, the next service, she went from the eighth row. Guess where she was sitting? Right on the front row. And so I even make those announcements all the time. Listen, you have an encounter with God. Now, like, like, like the couple last week, you know, I got a chance to talk to her. What happened to you? She said, I don't know. I've never experienced anything like that in my life. I said, did you get hurt? She said, no, it was absolutely wonderful. And you hear that all the time. You take somebody that freaks out, they have an encounter with God, their whole life changed. What's happening? A God realization. They're blinded spiritually. They can't see. All they know is they've grown up in church all their life or they've been brought to church or whatever it is, and they can't see. But then when they have an encounter with the anointing of the Almighty God, it changes their whole life, their whole perspective. God is no longer just a Sunday morning story. No longer a Sunday morning teaching, Bible school teaching. Hello. No longer, it's not a religion anymore. It's a reality that God really exists even though we don't see him. That's, that, 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 that locks us all in. That locks us in. Even though we've never seen, I've never seen God. I've never seen Jesus. I've never seen angels and I've never seen demons. I've cast demons out of people. 
But I've never physically seen. The Bible says, blessed is he that believes and has not yet seen. But I've certainly encountered the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And I've had that anointing. Come on. It's so wonderful. Even though I'm so imperfect, he still comes with his love and his grace and his mercy. I've been studying a little bit this last week on grace. And I got into it. Book of Galatians talks a little bit more about grace. It's kind of the grace book. And I realized that grace, what really grace was, was to overcome religion. And this grace message that's being preached is not the true grace message. See, the, the, the grace message that's being preached is, well, you've been free by the blood of Jesus, so you can do whatever you want to do, however you want to do, because you've been liberated. That is not the grace message. The grace message is you are no longer bound by any man's rituals. You've been brought into the freedom of Jesus Christ. Hello. And God's grace is sufficient for you that provides you the ability to overcome sin, to overcome yourself, to overcome the devil. The grace is there to do because Jesus overcame sin. He overcame the devil. That's the grace message. And he told that to the apostle Paul. He said, listen. And the Apostle Paul is the one who preached it. He was a Pharisee of a Pharisee. He was one of the most highly regarded Pharisees because he was schooled in the tutelage of Gamaliel. And not only that, his daddy was a Pharisee. Man, he crossed all of his T's and dotted all of his I's. He was one of those really committed individuals, so much so to get legal letters to kill you and me and put us in jail. It's pretty radical. And he was saying... Basically, he was boasting of his Phariseeism because a Pharisee and a Sadducee had to meet all the ritual laws, even the Pentateuch, and Paul did it. He fulfilled every single one. And then he's saying, now I don't have to fulfill the Pentateuch. I don't even have to fill the law except one law, the royal law of, and he said, and the grace is there for me to do it because Jesus is love and Jesus fulfilled love. So that right there is it. That's the grace message. You see how Satan just perverts everything and he twists everything and then it rips through the body of Christ and just, I've been doing this thing for 23 years. I have never ridden any wave except one, the Bible. Didn't you ride the joy wave? No, it's it's been there for thousands of years. It's in the Bible. Didn't you ride the healing wave? Uh, it's been there for, for 2,000 years. Uh, well, didn't, you, didn't, didn't you ride the prosperity wave? Well, it's been there for 2,000 years. Uh, did, didn't, you, didn't you ride the non-depression rave? Well, it's been there for 2,000 years. Well, didn't, didn't you ride the faith movement, you know, the teaching movement? It's been there for, for 2,000 years. Uh, what, what do you mean, ride the wave? I'm not a double-minded man on a sea tossed to and fro. Can't make up my decision. Am I going? Am I not going? Am I going? Am I doing? Am I not doing? I, I don't know. I don't know if I should do or should I do. No, no. Let's just stay right in, on the road. Amen. The narrow road. And if it becomes crooked, he'll make it straight. Can you say amen? He's going to stay right on that road. Well, what, are you, what are you trying to say? I believe healing is for today. We're in a healing move. I believe deliverance is for today. We're in a deliverance move. I believe faith is for today. I think we're in a faith move. I think revival is for today. Oh, we're in a revival move. I think we're in a Pentecost move because it's 2,000 Pentecost. I think that's the move, we're, that's the move right now we're having. Because well, what do you mean? God is constant. It's you and I that gets in and are out of it. The, the, the stream is flowing. The river is flowing. And then that river is healing, deliverance, prosperity. There's the anointing to deliver you out of the mess that Satan has gotten yourself into or you got yourself into. Can you say amen?
One more and we're close. To preach the acceptable year of the Lord. The acceptable year of the Lord is what you call the year of Jubilee. In Jewish tradition, the year of Jubilee was every 50 years. In the 50th year, if you were a slave, you were set free. If you had land and sold it or whatever, got rid of it, or somebody bought it, you got it back. Hello. If you had gold, you got your gold back. It's like playing country music backwards, because when you play country music forwards, you lose your wife, you lose your dog, you lose your shotgun, you lose your truck, you lose your farm. But in the year of Jubilee, you get your shotgun back, you get your dog back, you get your wife back, you get your house back, and maybe you don't want your wife back, but hey, praise God, amen, you get everything back that you wanted to get because you lost everything. So it's, it's backwards masking in country music. But Jesus is the year of Jubilee, so that every year you can get your shotgun back. Every you can get your dog back. Okay, come on. Hello, someone. You get everything back now. You don't have to lose anything. The Jubilee is now. Amen. It's not every 50 years. It's the, you, it's the year of Jubilee today. 2019 is the year of Jubilee. I got good news for you. 2020. <laughs> good year of Jubilee. 2021. I got news. Good news. It's year of Jubilee. 2022. Is a good, it's going to be a good year. It's the year of Jubilee. <laughs> Praise God. 2023. I got good news for you. <laughs> it's the year of Jubilee. I got 20, 2024. Praise God. Guess what it is? The year of Jubilee. 2025, because, you know, 25 and 25 is 50. So it's a double year of Jubilee. Preach the acceptable year there. And it's the anointing of God. If there was one message or two messages that I would preach on a continual basis, maybe I do, maybe I just don't know it, I would teach on the anointing and preach on the anointing. And the second thing or the first thing would be how to hear the voice of God. Those two things. If I could just hear the voice of God and just be obedient, and I could just preach on the anointing, then I would do that. Because it's the anointing that destroys the yokes of bondage. And it's the voice of God that leads you and guides you even in the future, to avoid things in the future. Can you say amen? All right, come on, stand to your feet real quick. Let me give those to you again real quickly. So number one, preach the good news of the kingdom. Two, to heal the brokenhearted. Three, deliverance of captive. Four, recovery of sight to the blind. Five, liberty of them that are bruised. And six, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord or the year of Jubilee. Hallelujah. Come on, lift your hands. Let's just worship the Lord right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Asso cremandra viesto remando. Per bromanga in delibristo. Gigi da Nassara. Haragata lambrondo. Jesus, there is none like you. Hallelujah. There is none like you. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We worship you. Thank you for joining us this week. It's our honor to serve you and be part of your walk with Christ. Don't forget to check out our website at lifefamilychurch.net. Have a blessed week, and remember, the best is yet to come.